1: Afternoon and welcome. As if home ownership in Toronto isn't expensive enough. Mayor John Tory wants to significantly increase property taxes over the next six years. It's a reversal of what he's been saying throughout his tenure and it's been characterized as the biggest financial move of his mayoralty. But he's trying to position this as really nothing new because it comes as an increase in a special levy that already exists.
0: This is not something new. This is really an extension of something that we did do several years ago to put in place a dedicated infrastructure levy to pay for transit and housing. So what we're really doing is continuing it so that it will continue to provide the funding. We need billions of dollars in uh, both direct funding and in ability to borrow uh, to finance the transit and housing we have to do in the next 10 years. And so in that sense, uh, I think we're doing it on a timely basis. uh, And with respect to um, the effectiveness, I'm delighted to see that there are people that are coming forward and saying that this will be an effective, fair, transparent, dedicated way to raise the money necessary to build the transit and the housing.
1: Okay, well, this increases in the city building fund and by the way, that special levy was set to expire uh, after 2021 and as I said, it would come to 8% over the next six years and it looks like Tory has a lot of support for this move on council because it does come after years of warnings that the city is about to fall off a financial cliff. What do you think and how would this extra levy on your property taxes affect your budget? For a lot of people, it is really Tight, and uh, even though this would start small, on an average of an extra forty-three bucks or so a year, but it will add up. So the numbers to call. 416-360-0740 416-360-0740 Toll free one 866 740 740 And now let's go to Toronto councillors Shelley Carroll for Ward 17, Don Valley North and Gord Perks for Ward 4, Parkdale High Park Hello there Hello,
2: Hello how are you?
1: Fine uh, Let's start with Shelley uh, What is your take on this? Well, I know that this is uh this is coming as a
3: shock to some people. I've I've had some calls and it's tough. You know, a lot of people bought the what is the average home in Toronto in in our our three big suburbs and a long time ago when they bought it, they never expected that their property taxes as much as 400 480 a month and and that is uh that is a big hit. And we know that, uh, that it's a big investment for people. I pay it myself in my own home. But we have a situation right now with transit just in the last two weeks, track fires. The unsexy work, not the the big new lines that the premier gets to announce, but the work that needs to be done to keep people moving and going to work every day, to keep our economy going, we have fallen woefully behind on that by putting off investment. And the mayor is recognizing finally that we have to make that investment. It it is uh, uh, irresponsible not to get started on that work in a really significant way. (laughs)
1: <laughs> Gord Perks, I know that you are in favor of this as well. Yes, absolutely. The thing to
2: remember is uh, property taxes buy services. If you want to get your street plowed, if you want us to have a recreation program for seniors at a local community center, if you want a fire truck to show up if there's a fire on your street, that costs money. We've been under investing in those things. And if you had to go and meet all those needs out of your own money, it would cost an awful lot more than when we do it together through property taxes. So for most of us, unless you live in a home that's worth $2 million or more, you actually get more value out of a property tax increase in terms of the value of those services than you spend in the property taxes. So for... 75-80% 75, 80% of Torontonians, this actually makes life more affordable. Uh,
1: well, uh, that's one way of looking at it, but uh, owning a home in Toronto is very expensive. They're just another poll out today saying that for millen- millennials, it's it's like a pipe dream and nearly half say that they would like to own a home but it it just isn't gonna happen for them at the other end of the age spectrum we have a lot of people on fixed incomes who bought homes back in the day when it was all very reasonable and suddenly their homes are worth a huge amount of money and that has an impact on property taxes and that in turn has an impact on their ability to stay in their homes.
2: You raise a very important point and that's why the city for years has had a program for people who are on fixed incomes or low incomes or people with disabilities or seniors um, that says uh, we can defer your property taxes or waive your property taxes depending on your income uh, and, and therefore make sure that you are looked after so we have a program in place already to deal with exactly the problem you just described
1: right but some people um maybe are not quite at that point yet and maybe they don't want to defer the taxes maybe a lot of especially older people they like to pay their bills as they go
2: right but if your point is libby that this is something that people can't manage we have a way to make sure they can
1: uh-huh. And, and uh, again, Shelley, what about younger people hoping to get in the market? You know, there, there's, there's a sort of straw that breaks the camel's back.
3: Well, here's the thing that's easy to forget if you live in Toronto and so do your children. The issue of affordability uh, really extends all the way out to the edge of the GTA now. And what, well, one of the things that we're facing right now is when we go to other governments to ask for help, to invest in the things we need to invest in. They say, what do I say to Markham? What do I say to Richmond Hill? What do I say to Oshawa? Because in those regions, Housing is just as expensive these days. The million-dollar and $2 million dollar home isn't just a Toronto phenomenon. It's a GTA phenomenon. And as much as we think when we hear the word millennial, we're talking about someone who's downtown sipping coffee, millennials live all over the GTA. Generally, they tend to settle uh, somewhere close to their parents.
1: Yeah, they and they so can't necessarily is- afford to... Uh- <laughs> <laughs> to, right, to live downtown. Point, right, but the
3: point that I want to make is that out in those regions, they're all paying more for fewer services and wondering why we're the first in line for money from other governments we have to make our own investment if we're going to be in line with all those other municipalities who also need they need new transit to to connect to our transit they have state of good repair issues just like us and all of their residents are actually paying more in, in property taxes with all of uh, the similar affordability issues and so there's an issue of parity here. There's an issue of urgency because of some of the uh, state of good repair issues. It all mounts up to the point where. Across the GTA, we have to start to make municipal investment in order to leverage federal and provincial investment.
1: Well, you make a good point about uh, property taxes in Toronto being lower than in other parts of the GTHA. The rationale for that has always been is that we're older and and a lot of the infrastructure already exists. Gord Perks? Yes.
2: (laughs) Yeah, and and, uh, the thing to remember about that is infrastructure doesn't live forever. We have hit the point where our subway tunnels need to be redone. I don't know if uh, you've noticed it, but every weekend some portion of the subway is being closed for repairs. Well, that's because we've hit the end of life for for that infrastructure, which means we have to pay again to bring it up to standard. So yes, we were able to keep property taxes low because we had a lot of built infrastructure, but now the bill to repair it has come due. And as any homeowner knows, from time to time you have to fix the roof. The problem is for the last 10 years, We've had uh, councils and mayors who haven't been putting that rainy day money away. So all of a sudden the roof is leaking and we've got to hurry to catch up.
1: Okay, hang on. We're going to take a couple of calls from taxpayers. Uh, we've got Sam in Toronto.
4: Hi, Sam. Hi, Libby. Good morning to you. Um, you know, basically, I know you like Satori because well, not all you like, but like you deal with him. So you're impartial in this. But I tell you what. It's I a, am I'm,
1: impartial, <laughs> whether <laughs> I deal with him or not.
4: Okay, Go ahead. As a, as a journalist, all I'm saying, like, you know, it's the richest city in Canada. The richest city in Canada. Coming short of money is three words: is waste, fraud, and abuse. But most definitely waste. Because the biggest chunk of this budget, you know, I'm not into the government. I'm not into this budgetary fund uh, reviews. But I think the biggest chunk of it is transportation. And, uh, you know, the biggest culprit is, you know, the kind of waste they do like a streetcar. It's like 18th century, you know, for each streetcar, we can get seven buses. But no, they want to dig up the streets like 19th century every year and spend tens of millions of dollars with wiring and, you know, that late uh, Ford, uh, the mayor of Toronto, he was right. You know, that's a total, that's just one item, you know. They stick to their old ways of doing things. And now, you know, they, they run out of money because uh, they should cut out all these waste and they'd be okay, you know?
1: Okay, Sam, thanks for that. Thank you. Okay, uh, you know, he makes an interesting point about waste, and there are a couple of things that I would like to get your take on, councillors. So, it first works. of all, in terms of the TTC, it's 60-some-odd uh, million dollars in uncollected fares. I know that Metrolinx has a part in that, but that's a good chunk of, of cash, and also um, we saw reports on some of the poverty reduction programs, $180 million, and, and no indication if they work, if they don't work, n- not much accountability there. So, you know, on the one hand, you're calling on taxpayers to pay more. On the other hand, there, there's all this money that's being spent, like who knows how.
3: Well, Libby, uh, with respect to the, the, TTC, the TTC piece that, that Sam was just talking about, uh, I smiled a bit because I entered council wanting to look at that first off. I'm a suburban counselor, and I came in and said, oh, gosh, this this TTC budget is really struggling. Uh, do we have to use these streetcars? In fact, uh, the ridership along the streetcar line is so huge that if you try to replace them with buses and carry the same number of riders, it actually costs more. Uh, this has been studied again and again, and really every time there's a new wave of counselors, they patiently uh, uh, go through the study again, and each time, that, that ratio is even larger because more and more and more people are living downtown, and streetcars carry so many more passengers than a bus can that we really just can't afford to replace them with a, with a vehicle that holds fewer people. As to, to fare evasion, The uh, Auditor General's report, that's a lot of what Gord was talking about. If you want a service, it costs money. In the case of fare evasion, we learned that uh, uh, if we're gonna have all-door boarding on vehicles, if we're we're gonna have those Presto gates that just fly open, we've gotta have fare enforcement. Well, each one of those fare enforcement people has to be paid a wage to, to stand there. We've drastically uh, improved the fair evasion situation just a short matter of months by acting on some of the AG's recommendations and things that were already pl- planned anyway. But each of those does cost some money. There are savings in, in doing that in the, in the long run. And that's the thing to remember about this increase. All of the savings we can achieve, we will continue to do. The budget will, will see the same amount of scrutiny every year. But the levy being uh, separated out, city building, means that each year we will see quite transparently where this money is going. It won't just go into the general revenue hole and people won't know if it's being wasted or not. They will see the capital projects it's going to and can track those capital improvements. There will be next year 34 weekend closures on the the subway lines, line one and line two, because of the amount of repair that needs to be done. The track fire on Monday morning is a perfect example it's it's very, very clearly an issue of state of good repair. Some wires that, that were installed, coated in plastic 40 years ago uh, simply fell to the ground with the, the plastic no longer there and started a fire. That's because preventative state of good repair is something we haven't been able to do for years. We've got to be able to do that to keep people safe and moving to their jobs.
1: Gord, Gord Perks, what about those we're all good. of those... Um, Property, poverty reduction programs that there just doesn't seem to be enough accountability on.
2: Well, I, I, I don't know what you mean by enough accountability. Do I they mean, work? For me? do they work
1: do the programs work are the programs doing their job I mean there's money being handed out to third-party organizations
2: yes absolutely they work we they're very carefully monitored and the city of Toronto government unlike any other level of government uh, all of our finances every bit of every Every decision we make on money uh, comes with a public staff report that shows how we're administering Mm. it. These are very closely monitored and carefully uh, run programs. And and the result is, Libby, if I just could, uh, the city of Toronto transit system moves more people with less public subsidy than any transit system in North America or Europe so there's your evidence that it works and that the
1: programs i'm I'm not convinced about those programs i'm
2: you know what i'll bet you a hundred
1: dollars okay okay let's take a call from diane in scarborough hi diane hi libby you know we live in a beautiful wonderful city that
5: offers so many services and benefits to everyone but my concern is why is just a segment of society having to pay for these things Whenever the city needs money, they go after the property taxpayer. People with a house, are they considered rich, the elite, that we can afford this? Why is it that they're always beating up on us? If the city needs money, everyone should be paying because they're all benefiting from it. Why are you always picking on the property taxpayer?
1: Well, to be to be fair, there, the, the line what? has been held on property taxes for a long time. Uh, it's been held at inflation. Uh, you know. Yes, with
5: the levy and now this levy and so on, and saying, oh, you know, this money's going to go into special funds, and we can see where it's going. <laughs> where it's going? just it's hang all, on. No, no, Shelly Carroll. you you're of the opinion that people are happy to pay another one two percent. You're 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 sadly mistaken. You must be taking advantage of the new cannabis
1: laws. People are Oh, not go ahead, Diane. Pay. Let's keep it nice. <laughs> go okay. ahead. Oh so,
3: Diane, Diane would, may not no. be aware. Um that just, I am aware just, of what I'm paying and
5: Just I'm aware uh, that well, one that at a time. We're bearing the the brunt of this thing. It's always on the backs of the taxpayer, the property taxpayer. And it's not fair. It's discriminatory. Well
1: it's it it, it So if I if I may okay. if I may just finish. Diane, go Diane ahead, we're gonna listen. Be,
3: yeah, Diane may not be aware that property tax are paid by any Torontonian with a fixed address. Unless you're homeless, you are paying property taxes, whether you pay it directly as a homeowner or you pay it as an apartment dweller. Part of the reason that, uh, that rents are, are made up of uh, uh, what seems like a high rent to most tenants, and, and they are higher these days, is because they include property taxes. And what we have been doing over the last few years is trying to balance that out because for a long time in Toronto, tenants on a per-square-foot basis actually paid much higher property taxes than homeowners, likewise condo dwellers. We've been balancing that down a bit, and that shift is now done so that so that it's a little more fair. But they still pay a slightly higher ratio than homeowners they they live in smaller dwellings and so it, it adds up to a, a smaller bill on a per unit basis, but they're paying property taxes as well. So really all of us, if we live in Toronto and we're lucky enough to have a roof over our head, we will be contributing to this. And for all of us, it
1: will it will be money out of pocket. I, I'm painfully aware of that. Let's hear from Marion in Etobicoke. Hi Marion. Hi there Libby. Um I be
6: I am a senior And I become very offended with these counselors who must think that we are foolish pertaining to taxes if we can't afford to pay them, defer them. Oh, they still have to be paid, either by us as of now or by our children in the future. This is foolish talk. Let's talk sensibly here and language that... People, like, not trying to put things off. And also, on that same tangent with the counselors, why have they not all along set money aside? I realize it can't be to the extent of the work we need now, done now, but some of it, just like we homeowners have to do, we have to maintain our homes. And there's another thing, Libby, instead of, bingo, there's a problem, charge the taxpayers. Why not go to New York City and ask them now how they manage? They're a much larger city than we are. How do they handle their transport issues?
1: Well, they, they, they hired our transportation bit. guy, and I don't think it's working out that well. Uh, Marion, uh, you, you make some very good points. I, I was just trying to make the point that a lot lot of especially seniors do not like the idea of deferring their taxes they want to pay them as they go and not leave that bill for the kids you know what's interesting
3: is that marion raises a very good point if we do go to other cities as large as 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 our own i've said many times on this broadcast one of the challenges toronto faces is we don't really have a peer we're we're now three million and there isn't another city like us in canada in other countries, but places like New York City, places like Chicago that's really the same size as Toronto, they actually, at the city level, have access to a penny or two of the sales tax. They have access to a portion of the income tax being collected in the city. And in most cases, they put those dollars towards the big ticket items like transit and like police. And that's something that, We have been advocating for, I've been very vocal about it, even though for some people that's an unattractive situation to to be talking about sales tax. But the reality is There are some people who will always be challenged by being asked to pay the bill based on the value of their house. If they paid 60,000 for it years ago and now it's a million, they had no idea they'd be paying what they're paying now. But what if we were to shift some of the expense of a city to a sales tax? Then those that don't spend a lot, and if if you're retired and you're staying home or you're not spending a lot, but a person who's working and hit meet and center every Saturday is is spending more and has more disposable income they would be making a greater contribution to the city at the point in their life that they could be doing it that actually is that's honest truth that is how new york is surviving
1: our, our last caller also made an interesting point about why was no money put away for this. And uh, the answer is because uh, that was the decision of politicians who want to be reelected by saying they weren't raising anybody's taxes. Yeah. Uh, to pres- put
2: aside that money, and, and unfortunately, until just yesterday, the mayor uh, took a different view, but we've turned a corner, and maybe now we can manage the city better.
1: Uh, that's, uh, that, that is quite a promise. Uh, what is the process for this to get passed? Uh, it, it's going to be a while, right?
2: Uh, my understanding is the mayor is, the mayor's the mayor's is bringing, bringing something to the now council now. meeting this month, uh, and that will put it into the budget uh, starting next year, and it's going to increase by a point or a point and a half for each of the next five years. So we start on it right away.
1: Uh-huh, and uh you know it, it it sounds to me it might be one of those things, Shelley Carroll, that becomes very permanent, you know again why why do it as a special levy is Is that a little bit of uh, you know obscuring it a bit well, I think
3: that that the mayor has been really honest in that front. Uncharacteristically, um, as Greg points out, uh, uh, up until now there has been a, a, a half-point city building levy, and 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 often he will announce a property tax increase and not include it. He's being very upfront and transparent about this now, and he's chosen this way to do it because he he thinks people will want to be able to track how that money gets spent, so they can see where their investment is going. It's quite different from what happened this year in the city of Vancouver. They've adopted their budget for next year and they face the same things we face uh aging infrastructure in the core lots of growth around the edges and and downtown as well but they have they have had to take the step this year of adopting an eight percent property tax increase all in one year no cumulative no phasing in just bam and it's been a it's been a really tough pill to swallow. I think the mayor's approach to phasing it in—he's acknowledging that we deferred for a number of years through political decisions. Not I didn't support them, but, but uh, there were pol- there were uh, politicians that did want to hold things at below inflation. Now we have to catch up. So we're phasing the catch-up, and I think that will help a little
1: bit to mitigate the uh, the impact on our, our personal pocketbooks. Uh, Gord, have you heard yet from people who are not happy about this?
2: Some. I've also heard from people who are. Uh, like everything in Toronto, uh, people love to have uh, arguments about the future of the city.
1: Mm-hmm. Okay, then. So, uh, Gord, what would you like to leave us with?
2: Um, The very simple thought that the things the city provides have a value and save you money. If you had to uh, pay a private company to provide security for you and to be available to put out a fire on your street and clear your road, you would pay a lot more than what we pay now in property taxes because when we do it together, we get a bulk discount. For too many years, we've uh, been putting off the investments we have to make and that's why you get you're late to work, that's why your street isn't plowed, that's why you can't get on the bus. That's why there's no seniors program in your local community center. It's time we caught up and for almost everybody in Toronto the value of the services that you get is much bigger than what you pay in property
1: taxes. Okay, well um, we'll see if people agree with that. Thank you very much Shelley Carroll and Gord Perks appreciate your time very much.
0: Thank you Libby. Thanks Libby. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to 1.